You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. Welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. I'm your host, Dr. Tina Moore, and on this episode, I'm going solo. I want to break down what some see as either an oversimplified or an overcomplicated problem, and that is pain. I get a lot of questions about pain from my followers and from my audience. One in five people present to any doctor's office for pain. And when I first started out in practice, that was my main focus. That's what I did for the entirety of my clinical practice for well over a decade. And I spent a a good portion of two decades with my mentor who also specialized in pain. He called it naturopathic pain management. I'm a chiropractor and a naturopathic doctor. And so my style is a little bit different but I took a lot of what I know from Dr. Rick Marinelli, who was my mentor, and I applied it and mixed it and matched it with what I learned along the way from my other mentors and colleagues, as well as from my chiropractic training. And I wanna break it down for you today in this episode of the Dr. Tina Show so that you can have an understanding where I come from when people ask me questions, hoping for a simple answer, or when I see people overcomplicate it. Pain is very interesting. Pain, I will say this first, uh, disclaimer, I this is not medical advice. This is for educational purposes only. I'm not telling you how or what to do with any of this. This is not for prevention, treatment, or cure of pain. I'm just trying to give you an understanding of how I approach pain when it, when it is in a patient. I am not in clinical practice any longer, so I'm not available for consults, and I don't make personal referrals. It gets crazy out there with all of my audience uh very often asking for personal referrals in their area. I simply don't do that. And as I said, my approach is it's multi-pronged and it comes from a lot of different backgrounds. And I, to be honest, I know there are excellent pain practitioners out there who probably practice very differently or even similarly. And I just honestly don't know who practices like I do. So I could not put you in the direction of somebody who I think says, yeah, they, they have a similar approach to things. So with that said, I will just continue on and let you know, again, I do not make personal referrals. Please do not email the show for that. But if you have any other questions about this podcast, please do. Uh, We welcome emails for requests for topics in the future, for questions that are pertinent to episodes we've done, if we want to maybe do a spinoff of that. And so you can email us at podcast at drtina.com for that. But again, please don't email asking for a personal referral for a physician in your area. I have no idea. I have no clue where to send you. But I want to just share this information and give you some of these keywords so you can start calling around and asking doctors questions that are advantageous to get you moving in the right direction. So pain is multifaceted and it's multi-pronged, and I think it requires a multi-pronged approach. I don't believe it's all biomechanical and I don't believe it's all systemic. I think it's both. And it's not, it was never my job when a patient came in and told me they had an eight out of 10 pain. It's never my job to apply some kind of blanket protocol to them and say, oh, you know, just if any of you have ever been in a car accident, you've been through litigation, you know how it goes. They'll say, well, you know, in the studies and in these protocols we have, it's been six weeks and so the soft tissue should have healed by now. That's just utter nonsense. And that's not how it works. Our nervous systems are into intimately dialed into our tissues. There is wiring back to the nervous system that can sometimes create 
pain centralization, um, you know, wired, basically just like an overwired nervous system can occur for lack of a more simplistic way to say it. And it's called central sensitization. And it's this concept where tissues can be damaged in a way that the for for the easiest explanation, let's just say that the signals get crossed and they get crossed up in the brain. And so what should be firing as, say, a mechanoreceptor or a pressure receptor ends up firing as a pain receptor, a nociceptor is what the official term is for pain receptors. And so when things get crossed and you get crosstalk, things can get very confusing in there. And this often will hardwire back into the amygdala and the limbic system, which is like our lizard brains, our primordial brains. This is also the part of the brain that is being wired and affected by fear and unknown, which is currently what this pandemic is pushing. And so if your pain has gone up since the pandemic started, hopefully that makes some sense. That's the part of your brain being impacted as well. The amygdala and the limbic system, once it gets in there, it's very complicated to unwind and may never be completely unwound. Pain is interesting in that it may never completely go away. We may be able to dial it down several notches, but trying to get it to completely disappear is often difficult, especially if it's gone and wired itself, hardwired itself into your brain. The cool thing about the brain is the brain is plastic, meaning it can change and morph and it can rewire. And I'm some of the things I'm going to share with you today all do impact that rewiring, which I think is so totally super cool. So don't lose hope. Just know that if one thing isn't working, you may need to add, that doesn't mean to throw it out. It means you may need to add some things on. I will say this, most of the things I'm going to talk about in here are going to be um, out-of-pocket expenses for you. You're, I'm going to discuss hormones and, and doctors who really understand bioidentical hormone replacement. You're going to be hard spent to find that in your local town, to be honest with you, for the most part. You may. You may find a functional medicine or a naturopathic doctor, but 99% of the functional medicine and, and naturopathic doctors you cross paths with don't actually have a good handle on hormones. That's a whole other specialty that people need to study. Finding that type of doctor can be difficult. And now that doctor may have no clue about rehab or pain or regenerative injections or manual therapies that I'm going to speak on. And so you may end up finding a variety, needing to find a variety of doctors. And for the most part, you're going to probably pay out of pocket. You may even need to travel. And so I will disclaim with that (laughs) before we move too much further, because people often, again, going back to what I said in the beginning of this episode, people really want to find this all-in-one doctor. I feel like I was pretty close to that, although there were some things I did not do simply because I did not want to do them um, or it just wasn't the best use of my time in practice. And and there's other people who are better at it. And I'm going to share where that is. But you're going to be hard spent finding someone who does all the things I talk about here, all-in-one stop shopping. You're probably going to have to find a couple different doctors and just know that If they're cool and they're good at what they do, they're going to understand what the other doctors are doing to some degree. But don't get yourself hunkered down with a doctor who tells you they can do it all and doesn't, isn't open to hearing about other modalities. There's so many modalities that can be helpful. If I were to put up a blanket post on Instagram and say, how did you have your pain treated? Did it work? You know, say it worked. How did you do it? We're going to get a million different answers. And so this is just what I understand. This is, so th- I say that because if I don't mention a modality, it doesn't mean that it's not worthy. It, it is, could be very worthy. And interestingly, I've trained hundreds of doctors in regenerative injection therapies and 
the therapy speaks to the doctor. It's almost like a match made in heaven. There are certain modalities that are just in the right hands. It's the perfect match. And in maybe my hands, it wasn't the perfect match. And so I didn't double down on that therapy. So it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It just means that it might not be something I'm fully versed in. And, you know, we have about 30 minutes to get this conversation done. <laughs> so with that, without further ado, I'm going to just kind of barrel through these and let you know the advantages and disadvantages and where I feel like they have limitations. So the first one is obviously manual therapy. And so that's going to be, I'm a chiropractor, so I like the adjustment Modal, you know, modality of, of adjusting the spine, adjusting the extremities, manual adjustments. There's, there's utility in this because it reset. This is different than massaging something until it resets. The high velocity, low amplitude thrust that only chiropractors and osteopaths are trained in, and predominantly chiropractors, to be honest. Uh, osteopaths more have a grading scale of how they adjust or how they mobilize a joint. And so they may do a lower grade thrust. Chiropractors are trained to do a high velocity, low amplitude thrust. This resets the pain gate, if you will. And it does have an, a really, really amazing effect on the central nervous system. And so the chiropractic adjustment is unique in that sense. There's massage, there's acupuncture, there's um, all kinds of different therapies that are hands-on. I think that having a hands-on therapy is absolutely critical. So pick your favorite one that works with your body. And also, you know, you may already be established with a practitioner who has helped you quite a bit there. Manual, so stay the course there. Ma manual therapy is phenomenal. It has a really awesome effect on the tissues themselves, but don't be deceived there's a tremendous impact on your central nervous system that occurs with manual therapy. And then there's just the human to human touch and interaction. This may be cranial sacral. I mean, there's a million ways to skin a cat on this. And so I'll leave it with that. I think manual therapies are incredibly advantageous and a critical component. The second part I want to share, uh, the second prong here would be systemic therapy. What do I mean by that? Your hormones impact your pain levels. Your gastrointestinal health impacts your pain levels. Your mood impacts your pain levels. Your hormones in your gut impact your mood. So, you know, for instance, we see much higher rates of pain in patients who deal with chronic depression. And conversely, people who have chronic pain suffer from chronic depression more often. Your hormones are critical. Having your androgens on board, like testosterone, for tissue uh, regeneration is critical. I mean, that's androgens. Your testosterone is absolutely your pro-grow type of of hormone, right? It's it's uh, catabolic hormones like cortisol eat up your tissues and anabolic hormones like testosterone help you regenerate tissues. Thyroid is critical. Thyroid is not necessarily an anabolic hormone, but it is responsible for metabolism and metabolic turnover in a healthy fashion is critical for tissue healing. And so people who are low thyroid will often have a lot of issues at their, where their tendons and ligaments meet bone called the enthesis. I'll talk about that a little bit more. But thi low thyroid is a huge one. Low thyroid also causes a certain level of what's called mixed edema, which is a proteinaceous swelling. It's not a fluid swelling, it's a proteinaceous swelling. And that can cause tremendous, I've experienced it myself, it can cause tremendous pain around a joint or around your spine. Mixedema is really an under 
rated cause of pain, I believe. Low thyroid can have massive implications on musculoskeletal pain, not just the joints, ligaments, and tendons, but the actual muscles themselves. And interestingly, this is why I'm such a proponent of strength training, healthy skeletal muscle actually helps conversion of thyroid hormone into the form that we need to utilize. So I will leave it at that without making it too complicated, but having adequate estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, thyroid is critical. All of these are well and good and really do require someone who knows what they're doing to be applied properly. This is not something that you let a novice handle, like a new doc or someone who kind of dinks around with hormones for fun. Like find someone who actually knows what they're doing. This is not going to be your general practitioner that you pay your copay to. I can't even imagine the chances of that ever happening. So find someone who is trained in bioidentical hormone replacement and who does it well. And again, you may have to pay out of pocket. Well, you probably very likely will have to pay out of pocket and you're probably going to have to travel for this if depending on where you live. Having your adrenal hormones working in your favor are so epically huge for the rest of those to work though. So I'm always a big fan of starting with some kind of adrenal support because if we can get the adrenals happier and working better and really just feeling, you know, more supported, then the other hormones are all going to work better. If you apply the other hormones and you don't have the adrenal system working favorably, patients tend to bonk. And so it can get real messy real fast. And I see a lot of doctors who are trained in bi- in bioidentical hormone replacement just sort of hit patients with everything all at once without really sufficiently addressing the adrenal system. And I see that causing a lot of issues. So that's something you can simply um, help yourself with. And I'll give you some more information on that in a few minutes. Let's see, what else do I want to talk about there? So systemic. Oh, and then there's inflammation, right? So there's systemic inflammation that occurs, and that's a doozy. And you guys, if you follow me for any amount of time, you know my jam. Like, get your metabolism handled, which will get your inflammation much more under control because the two go hand in hand, which will help your immune system. And all of that comes down to the next point I want to talk about or the next prong, which is the deconditioned patient. Nine times out of 10, when somebody has musculoskeletal pain, they are deconditioned in that region, if not entirely through, throughout you know, their whole system. But a lot of times it's, it's deconditioning in that region. When you start having injury of a joint, if say you have internal joint derangement, like the labrum was ripped or there was some kind of traumatic episode to the joint, the meniscus was torn, the muscles surrounding that joint will become neurologically inhibited and they will start to fire aberrantly. And so the joint doesn't move correctly in space. And then, and it doesn't really spin around its its axis of rotation correctly. And so it starts to cause further degeneration and the muscles start to atrophy. And with that atrophy becomes, you know, comes a more sedative or sedated person, I should say, sedate person. They don't move around as much. They don't, I, I've lived this, right? You hurt your knee or your hip and you just don't move it as much because it hurts. And then the whole chicken and egg thing spirals even further out of control. And at the end of the day, what you end up with is, deconditioned atroph- you know, atrophied musculature around the joint, which the ends of the muscle where the muscle turns into tendon, where the tendon inserts into bone is that point called the anthesis, which I mentioned earlier. When that anthesis pulls away from bone, it's very, very painful. It's a highly innervated area. These are not separate and distinct tissues. One type of tissue basically transitions into the next. And so it goes from muscle belly into musculotendinous junction into tendon into anthesis into bone. And again, they're not distinct. They really transition into one another. 
And that's where you start to see calcifications in the, in these anthesis areas because the bone actually is starting to transition back into the anthesis region and into the tendinous region. And you start to see these bone spurs coming down. So that's, that's a whole other conversation, but I just wanted to explain how those transition areas work. So anthesis, uh, these are little micro tears where tendon and ligament meet bone, and they're incredibly painful and frustrating. This is where regenerative medicine comes in beautifully, and I'll get to that in one moment. But I do want to talk about muscles for a minute. So the muscle is atrophied, and there's no amount of regenerative injections or supplements or anything that we can throw at a patient that's really going to take care of the root cause of the issue, which is they're deconditioned. And so working the muscles and um, muscularity around that joint region is going to be critical. And that's up to the patient. I think it's super important to say here that nine times out of 10, I would send a patient to a good strength and conditioning coach before I would send them to a PT or send them to another practitioner to get more passive care. Active care versus passive care is a big deal. And in my world, I think active care is the most critical. Active care is where the patient is actively doing something to get better. And it's not just taking pills. (laughs) It's actively rehabbing. Um, when you go to a PT and I don't have anything against PTs at all, and I know a lot of my audience are PTs and I respect them immensely, but my goal would always be to not have the patient collect more diagnoses. And I want to explain that for just a moment because it can be really psychologically damaging. And if you've gone through this, you know, most people go to their, they're hurt. They go to their medical doctor. The medical doctor does x-rays. Well, guess what? X-rays don't show any soft tissue damage. Most joint pain and most musculoskeletal pain is due to soft tissues, not osseous structures. So if there's nothing obvious about the bone, aside from them being close together, bone on bone, the patient is referred most often for cortisone. Cortisone injections actually cut your inflammatory cascade off by cutting your immune system off but most notably, they cut your immune system off so it cannot continue to perpetuate inflammation. And that ultimately leads to further joint destruction. It makes loose ligaments looser. And a lot of that joint pain is coming from these loose ligaments. And so now we're decompensating the joint even further, which is kind of a chicken and egg nightmare. When the patient fails cortisone injections, they're referred for an orthopedic consult and the orthopedist says, you're not a surgical candidate or you are a surgical candidate. And we know in the orthopedic world, there's kind of an old adage, orthopedic surgery begets more orthopedic surgery. And if you've ever had any orthopedic surgery, you know, especially near the spine, you know, I'm, I'm speaking the truth here. So I like to try to avoid all of those things for patients and for myself and for my family. And so The first place I send people is into the strength and conditioning gym because from the MD's office, they often are sent to the PT and then the physical therapist. In some countries, PT means personal trainer. In other places, it means here in the United States, PT is a a legal licensed designation of physical therapist. And the physical therapist will give them more diagnosis diagnosis code. So now their MD has diagnosed it as something, their PT has diagnosed it as something similar and more specific and more detailed. And then, I mean, that's if they're lucky, they get referred to PT. Sometimes they'll branch out and they'll go see a chiropractor and the chiropractor will tell them something similar but different. And so the patient comes into me seeking out regenerative medicine and injections and they're like, oh, I have all these diagnoses. And it kind of mucks up your head. You know, I've been there. It's frustrating. You're like, 
And I look at him and I'm like, dude, you're deconditioned. <laughs> like yeah, That's straight up. Like You're severely deconditioned. And so there's no amount of passive care I'm going to do that's actually going to compensate or overcome that without you getting strong first. So often I'd say, hey, go to a good strength and conditioning coach who understands rehab. And again, I cannot tell you guys how to find one. I'm sorry. I've tried. I've tried to do. I have a podcast with Tony Gracia of Industrial Strength Gym where I train and you guys can go back and listen to that. I believe it's episode 12 or 13. Please do because there is a lot of good knowledge in there. But I can't tell you how to find someone in your area. And I've tried in the past and it always shoots me in the foot. And so I'm not going to give you, I just can't. I don't know how to give you a really good like roadmap of how to find an awesome strength and conditioning coach. I wish I, I, wish I could and I will continue to work on that um, as, as it unfolds. But for now, you're going to have to interview them and it's going to be up to you to figure out if they're a good fit for you or not. Someone who I think is a good strength and conditioning coach is going to understand re- rehabilitation and they're going to understand how to work with you and work around that damaged joint to first help you gain control over the joint. And that may seem like a very boring process. Very, very boring. I remember being there and I'm like, oh, geez, this is boring. We're not doing anything. It's not sexy. You're not picking up big weights. Sometimes for a long time, while you're gaining control over your body and how your body moves, there's going to have to be control gained over other parts of your body that have been compensating for these structural faults. And so you have to be very patient and give yourself time. And once the control is there and established, then they can add weight. And so I would talk to them understanding that and knowing that, you know, if they immediately bring you up to the heavy barbell and they haven't assessed whether you have good control, Eh, you might be in trouble, right? And so just like any profession, there's excellent, excellent, highly skilled people, and then there's bad apples. I would say that for chiropractors and naturopathic doctors and MDs as well and PTs and the whole gamut, right? Just in any profession. And so it's up to you as the patient to be savvy and and just understand that. I think there is a great um, modality called the functional movement screen. And anyone who's trained in FMS or functional movement screen definitely has a better respect and understanding for what I just said, which is let's assess control over the movement. And once that is established, then we can weight it and we can add, we can add weight to the, to the body. So, okay. So we've covered muscles. I'm going to do a whole podcast soon about muscles and the magic of muscles because they are a spectacular organ system that we can build. But if you don't have good, like if your low back hurts, and your sacroiliac joints hurt, and you don't have any glutes, that's the first place I'm going to start. I'm going to send you to the strength and conditioning coach and say, hey, I need you to build your booty. And it is shocking for most patients when they really start to build their butt, how much of their low back pain goes away. I mean, deadlifts, literally, I've said it before, they literally fix everything. But if you don't have a good strength and conditioning coach helping you with those movement patterns, deadlifts can actually be the most dangerous exercise out there. Kettlebell swings, that's a deadlift. That's a ballistic deadlift. You're actually swinging. You're doing a deadlift with movement whilst swinging the weight through space. That is a great recipe for blowing your lumbar discs out and really damaging your SIs further. So this is why you always see me double down and say, hire a coach, hire a coach, hire a coach. Find someone who is skilled in rehab. I would also find someone who is skilled with someone in your age group because if you're listening to this, you probably are of the age (laughs) where you're probably edging up where I am into middle age and you've got an injury or you've got some kind of chronic pain picture. Now I had mine start in my twenties, so maybe you're in your twenties, but you know that, um, 
maybe don't know. It's pretty easy to train someone in their 20s. It's pretty easy to apply any therapy to someone in their 20s. They respond beautifully. They have testosterone on their side. Their hormones are generally functioning. They've got human growth hormone being produced at adequate levels, and they just respond really beautifully. If you try that same therapy on a 45-year-old, it's going to be a lot slower for the most part, right? Because our hormones are waning and things are starting to age um, cellularly. And so helping people train in their 40s is a real skill set that I don't, you know, if, if your coach is just all 20-year-olds, find someone who knows how to train the older folks. And if you're older than your 40s, definitely find someone who's good at working with people in your age group. They don't have to necessarily be gender specific. Um, just find someone, if you're 65 and you have knee pain, find someone who knows how to help 65-year-olds with knee pain and has done it before, or is willing to give it a go because they've had some extra training in rehab. I'll leave it at that. But building that booty is not only going to help your low back pain, it's going to help your knee pain as well. It's going to help your hip pain as well. And oh, it's so funny because I go around and around and around in circles with my hips and my low back, right? It's like this constant thing for me. And if I just do the damn exercises regularly, including the boring rehab exercises that I learned in chiropractic college that I just resent doing because they're so boring, like quadruped, dead bug. Some of these you may recognize, single leg RDLs. They're so boring. But you know what? Doing those and then adding bands and adding weights and being consistent, that's the recipe. And my pain is virtually nil. And if I do have pain, it's more easily ameliorated. Um, I'm easier to adjust, when I go to the chiropractor, I'm easier to have my tissues transition or change under manual therapies. And so it's really up to me, the patient. It's up to you, the patient, to do the homework and do the exercises, but you need them applied correctly by someone who knows what they're doing. On that note, I will say there's a lot of chiropractors and um, PTs who are into strength and conditioning now. It didn't used to be that way so much, but now all the worlds have sort of collided in the most cool way. And I'm seeing Pilates instructors working with strength and conditioning coaches, working with, um, you know, PTs, working with manual therapists and chiropractors and the whole like, the whole, MDs and NDs. And they're all learning similar things together, which I think is super cool. And I, it's very exciting to be a doctor and alive at this point because they're really starting to see the value of appropriate rehab and active conditioning for a patient and strength and conditioning. Strengthening an area is easily the best way to protect an area, get an area out of pain, and keep an area pain-free. Sometimes we need a little bit of help. And beyond just getting a good strength and conditioning coach. So we've got the manual therapy on board. We're seeing the chiropractor or the physical therapist or the and or the massage therapist and or the acupuncturist. <laughs> We've got the systemic therapy handled. You found a good naturopathic doctor who's good with bioidentical hormones and they're applying them appropriately and you're really starting to feel better. Your lights are on, your tissues are healing and responding and you're starting to feel really good. Your nutrition is dialed in. You've worked with a nutritional therapist or you've talked to one of these practitioners who are also well-versed in functional nutrition and you're getting adequate protein that's huge, you guys. I'll tell you, an old-timey MD told me this. He said he was one of my mentors in regenerative injection therapies, and he said, if you have a woman who's in chronic pain, simply put her on one gram of protein per pound of body weight and see what happens in two weeks. And two to three weeks, those women's pain, most women in particular, 
beyond over men, most women are protein deficient. And I, I have found that to be true clinically as well. And so that can be a big game changer right there too. Okay, so you're doing all those things and you're like, I'm feeling awesome. I need a little more help. I just, it's just not quite holding. That's where regenerative injection therapies come in. Regenerative injection therapies are therapies such as prolotherapy, PRP, uh, stem cells, and I say plus, you know, PRP plus, because there's a whole gamut of real fancy therapies that get very expensive very fast. I am an old school prolotherapist. Prolotherapy is a technique as much as it is the solution that's in your syringe. A lot of doctors trained in prolotherapy just rely on the solution in their syringe to get the job done. I rely on my hands to do really, really awesome palpation to apply the needle where the needle needs to go. And that's a big difference between me and a lot of these clinics you'll walk into where they try to sell you, sell you stem cells and they just do it under ultrasound and that's it and you're out, right? That's a whole other conversation we can get into because most of the places touting stem cells are not even using stem cells. They're using dead stem cells with active growth factors in a vial and they call them umbilical stem cells and they're not and that you're being lied to. They even give you a certificate telling you got, that you got mesenchymal stem cells when in reality you got dead stem cells that have been adulterated because they have to with the sterilization process and what you end up with is growth factors, which can be very cool and helpful, um, but you're not getting stem cells. To get stem cells, they have to pull your fat or your bone marrow out. So if you're not having your own fat or your own bone marrow extracted out of you, you're not getting stem cells. Just FYI. PRP is platelet-rich plasma. It's where they spin out your, they pull your blood, they spin it out, they extract the platelets, they re-inject it. It is freaking magic as long as the PRP isn't crap. If you're unhealthy, if you're malnourished, if your blood sugar's all over the place, if you're inflamed, if your hormones are low, if your gut's inflamed, all that jazz, your PRP is going to be complete crap. And it may actually be pro-inflammatory and it may cause more harm than good. Most doctors are not going to screen you for this and they are not going to give a shit about it. Uh, 99% of the doctors I've come across will do PRP on anyone who asks. That doesn't mean they're not ethical and I'm not calling them out. I'm not calling them unethical. They're just doing what they're asked to do. But it's really, really, really important that you come in walk, you know, health walking. <laughs> you need to come in as healthy as possible because your PRP is only as good as your ultimate health individually. So see how I always go on and on about personal responsibility. Here, here is yet an, again another example of this. So prolotherapy is using dextrose, which is sugar water. And man, dextrose is magical. I firmly believe that you can get done most of what you need to do with dextrose. It's affordable for most people. It's All of these therapies are out of pocket, by the way. If you go to a practitioner and they tell you they're going to bill insurance for your prolotherapy or your PRP or your stem cells, they are committing insurance fraud to some degree. And I know very fancy clinics that do do this. It's still insurance fraud. And if they get caught, you're going to get made to pay them and they're going to get made to pay back the insurance company and it gets real messy real fast. So avoid clinics that tell you they can bill for your prolotherapy or your regenerative injection therapies. That is a lie. Okay, so Prolo, why Prolo first? Prolo, it, it, again, is dextrose injections, which seems really simple and like, duh. 
How they do it really matters. So finding someone who's well-trained in prolotherapy is a must, in my opinion, but I am a prolo snob, so (laughs) I will double down on that. I've trained a lot of doctors. Again, I do not have a database for you. I'm sorry. I don't, there's not one place you can go to find a good prolotherapist. You're going to have to really do hunting. And please, please, please don't email us because I get so many emails and messages a day anyway, asking for personal referrals. And it's hard enough just to manage like my friends and my personal community, let alone my virtual community. So you're just going to have to do some research and find somebody good. I don't even know most of the doctors out there anymore doing this work, and so I couldn't tell you boo from boo. Prolo's cool because the dextrose itself doesn't only regenerate the tissues, which is one aspect of it. I think the most important part of it is it actually sits on the TRIP-B1 receptor, and it works to modulate neuroinflammation. And I think most joints, from my clinical experience, I did this for a long, long time, you guys. I saw a lot of patients... Um, most joints are just pissed off to start with. The tissues are pissed off. I'm living it right now. My hip is pissed. The tissues are pissed. That's why it really matters who has the needle in their hand, because if they're not good with a needle, they're going to come down harsh on your tissues. Prolo doesn't have to hurt, but a lot of doctors make it hurt because they're heavy handed and their skill set is different. Um, Dextrose calms that neuroinflammation down in a way that I cannot even describe, but it's phenomenal. It's like a salve. It's almost like a salve. We can do it intra-articularly so we can put it inside the joint. I think it works better than hyaluronic acid injections. I think it lasts longer. I think it's more uh, effective and more affordable than hyaluronic acid. It works as a wonderful salve and we can inject it extra articularly around all those enthesis points I described where these little micro traumas that are highly innervated and highly painful reside, these ligamentous and tendinous insertional points around the joint, which you have many of in most joints who expect to get a lot of little bitty injections. It's a phenomenal therapy for that. That can change the picture tremendously, dial the pain down quite a bit. The joint actually starts working. That um, internal joint arrangement that leads to that extra articular aberrant movement of the joint because the muscles and the ligaments and tendons become neurologically impaired. That actually resets to some degree. And I just, I've seen it clinically. It's amazing. The um, stability that the joint gains is phenomenal. So, and a good example is like, uh, my mom always said, you know, she used to have to get up from the kitchen table or from a table at a restaurant and it would always take her a minute to sort of Uh, settle herself in and make sure everything was working correctly. And I've experienced that myself with my hip pain. It's like, wait a minute, I got to make sure my hip is working correctly before I start ambulating. It goes away. Now, it doesn't always hold for a long time. And we'll get to that. But it does go away. And that is fucking awesome because then you can start using it. And when you can start using it, you can start building those muscles around it. And when you can start building those muscles around it, you actually start to inhibit pain because mechanoreceptors override pain receptors. So moving anything will always make it feel better. And when nerves around something, let's take the low back, for example, when your nerves are damaged or the tissues have atrophied so much from disuse, which is super common. All the little tiny muscles that hold the spine together start to atrophy. When that happens, you start to get hypoxic ischemic tissues, which means lack of oxygen, and the nerves start to die. And the vascular system to the nerves start to die. Now, if you're a smoker, you're really shooting yourself in the foot because smoking literally kills off the 
distance that your capillaries will go. And so the capillary bed that surrounds the vertebrae and the spine and the discs literally just goes away. And I won't even treat smokers because of it because they don't heal. So their ligaments and tendons are really in bad shape. So quit smoking if you have pain. That's number one. But um, these this atrophy leads to this ischemia and this ischemia ultimately leads to the nerves starting to die off or not getting the nutrition that they need is a better way to describe it. And when that happens, the nerves that are responsible for motor and are responsible for mechanoreceptors, pressure receptors, they're responsible for proprioception, telling your spine where it is, holding it upright, letting your body know where you are in space. When that all starts to get messed up because of malnourishment, lack of movement, deconditioning, traumatic injury, um, actual pinched nerves, whatever it is, the nociceptors or the pain receptors kick up into high gear because they become overly stimulated because they're trying to do the job of the other nerves that have been damaged. And because of the way that they are built, the way that they are um, mechanically, they can do that. And so that's why you'll start to see this ramp up in pain that can be phenomenal. I've lived it. I mean, it's like sometimes it makes you suicidal. It's so terrible. Movement overrides that. So it's so absolutely critical to continually move. Now, again, how long does that last? That's a great question. That depends and it's different for everyone, but movement is such a critical piece of this puzzle. So never, ever stop moving. This is where putting your money in the strength and conditioning coach that knows what they're doing is the best money spent first. That's my first, always my first thing. If they're worth their weight in gold, they'll put you through a functional movement screen and they'll say, oh, you've got pain with these movements. You've got to work with someone who knows how to deal with pain. That's going to either be a physical therapist or a chiropractor, generally speaking. And they're going to get you on the right track with a team. And that team is going to help you heal upright. So that's why I always say start with a strength and conditioning, because if they know what they're doing, they're going to get you on the right track. You're going to get a good team built out or, you know, conversely, find a cool chiropractor who maybe also does FMS, who works with rehab and has people in their facility or themselves that can help rehab you and get you back on the path to strength and movement. And then when that has, and then you've got your systemic doctor on board, helping you out with your hormones and your gut and your inflammation levels. Uh, there might be some therapy involved here. A lot of pain can be mental, emotional, and that's a huge component. A lot of chronic pain, especially, comes from adverse childhood events happening earlier in life. And I'm not trying to make a direct cause and effect, but we do have studies showing that if you have a certain amount of ad, um, adverse childhood events, your chances of having chronic pain later in life are exceedingly high. I mean, it's almost guaranteed. So, Consider that that's a piece of the puzzle that definitely needs to be addressed. There are different ways to address the mental emotional state without it being just talk therapy. I'm not even a big fan of talk therapy. So when I say therapy, I don't necessarily mean go and talk about your problems for an hour every week. There's all different types of ways to tap into the nervous system and to tap into the psyche, hypnosis, EMDR, pick your favorite. There's a lot of them out there and and I'll try to bring on more practitioners onto my show to talk about those things because I think those are a critical component to people who have pain. But regenerative injection therapies are freaking awesome. If you're a healthy individual, if you say you just messed up your knee, but you're like a 65-year-old dude, you're tan, you don't drink too much, your testosterone's good, you know that because your erections are good, your vitality's good, you're healthy dude, you eat well, and you've got a banged up knee from tennis or from hiking or whatever, great, go get the Prolo right away. 
If you're a 55-year-old woman and you have chronic low back pain, both your SIs, your butt is flat as a pancake, your hormones are depleted, you've got anxiety, you've got depression, everything hurts. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You Maybe you've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, told to take some kind of antidepressant, which by the way, is not a terrible idea. I will come back to this on a different episode at some point or I'll write up an email about it. SSRIs for pain whilst not a long-term permanent solution, actually have some efficacy and I understand why and I am not opposed to it. So don't always blow up. If your doctor says, hey, take this low dose of Prozac and see how it helps your pain, that doesn't mean you're being blown off. There, There is good data to support you know, intermittent use of this as needed. But again, we don't rely on any one thing too much, right? And I'm going to get to supplements in a minute minute, because I get that's what I get the most questions about. And I want to make sure to cover that. But regenerative injection therapies are awesome. If Prolo is not strong enough, then that's when we jump to PRP. That is a price jump as well. If PRP doesn't cut it, then, you know, something stronger like stem cells might be indicated. But I do want to caution you against going straight in for stem cells. I feel like And I know a lot of great practitioners who do it that I love and respect, and that's their jam is stem cells, and that's awesome. But if you can find a good prolotherapist who is more conservative, I think you'll save some money and you might actually get very decent results from that. But again, do expect to pay out of pocket for all of these. That's the thing. Some people come in, I've seen, I can't tell you how many people I've seen interviewed on podcasts. podcasts interviewed on documentaries who have supposedly been scammed by stem cells and they weigh 300 pounds. They're completely deconditioned. They look like their tissues are melting off of them because they either have some autoimmune condition or and or they're eating terribly. And this could be very well because of all the chronic pain. I'm not dismissing that by any means. I get it. But then they're like, well, the stem cells didn't work. It's like, well, again, like your PRP, your platelet-rich plasma, your stem cells are only as good as your health. And in the obese patient, at least from what we've seen in mice studies, mouse murine studies is what they're officially called, um, stem cells are actually quiescent in the obese mouse. Not just senescent, not just asleep, but actually turned off and they don't turn back on. So extracting fat or bone marrow out of a very unhealthy body, centrifuging it down to isolate out the constituents that are wanted and re-injecting that back into an inflamed joint or area is really probably not going to yield tremendous results. And I think there is an ethical issue there. And so this is where I'm trying to share with you sort of the different price tiers of regenerative injection therapies that most patients don't understand is you can start out with dextrose prolotherapy and really make an impact. And besides that, I do believe that, and we don't have studies on this, but I do believe just from clinical experience that the prolotherapy itself can kind of kick on the stem cells in the area that are there naturally and, and hopefully give them an opportunity to sequester. And they sort of, sort, sort of calls up the region to induce healing, right? That's what I'm looking at. It's like, all right, let's pay attention here, people. Let's pay attention here, body. We're treating the shoulder with dextrose prolotherapy. Not only is it regenerative and healing, it's quieting the pain. It's quiet, quieting the neurogenic pain. It's resetting the neurologic patterns in there to some degree if it's done right. And then on top of it, we're calling in the Calvary to get in here and do something, right? Then when we come in with something stronger and more expensive, I do believe it works better and it hurts a lot less. Coming straight into a hot joint with PRP or stem cells can be really inflammatory, really painful and create a lot of PTSD. Coming in with prolotherapy can be incredibly soothing and the next round of whatever therapy is used 
is much, much more comfortable. I found that to be true clinically on countless occasions. All right, so what about supplements? I have a joints ache bundle in my online store. It's store.drtina.com, D-R-T-Y-N-A. I invite you in there to check it out. Under bundles at the top, you'll find the joints ache bundle. Don't click on it because it'll apply a discount for buying it as a bundle, but that's I have a better discount for you that I wanna share for my audience on the entire store. So don't click on the bundle yet, but the items in the bundle are what I'm gonna talk about real quick and just explain a little bit how they work. The first product that I love, love, love is Curcuflame. This is a curcumin product. It's highly, highly absorbable. A lot of curcumin is either not absorbable or we don't get peak saturation without taking a whole lot of it. The Curcuflame is a form that has been studied to be highly bioavailable and get you to tissue saturation. It's a great product. You can take less of it because of the way that it works. The second product is called Hurt Less. And these are just your wonderful herbs for inflammation. And so this was, it's a proprietary blend of herbs. White willow bark is in there, boswellia. These are herbs that are just phenomenal for pain and inflammation. They're known classically, and I think they work great. Both of these products are very safe. Again, I can't give you dosing. I'm not your doctor. This is not treatment prevention or cure. These are just herbs that I use to reduce inflammation. I've seen them help with pain. I've seen people get better on them over the years because ultimately I want you moving. So I'm talking to you about things that reduce pain so I can get your butt in gear, right? My mentor would always say, move your buns around. And I've, I firmly believe that. The next product I love is called Juicy Joints. And think of it this way, it keeps your joints slick and it helps balance the cytokines. Cytokines are the chemical messengers that can come into damaged tissue and they can really create a storm in there. And they Unfortunately, that storm recycles itself often. And so it's like the storm begets more of a storm. So cytokines can beget more cytokines. So I love this product to keep things balanced in there and to keep your joints slick. It's a phenomenal product. It's got good studies behind it and it works great. And then lastly, good old fish oil. And not all fish oil is the same. I will say that a lot of fish oil is sort of the sewer of the sea. So be picky about your fish oil. Um, fish oil can also cause fishy burps. The problem with it is it's cost prohibitive because you have to take high doses of it. Really, the anti-inflammatory benefits of fish oil start around 3,000 milligrams. My Ultra Omega OK product is a monoglyceride form of patented form of fish oil made from the little fish, not the big fish. The big fish accumulate mercury and toxins. The little fish are cleaner. And it's a variety of little fish, so it's not monosourced. It's better for the environment because you can use less of it. It's got three times absorption of regular fish oil because of this monoglyceride form. And that allows you to take less. So one capsule of this is roughly equivalent. It's a thousand milligrams-ish, is roughly equivalent to that dose I was speaking of to get to that anti-inflammatory benefit. And so I really like the Ultra Omega, okay, because you don't have to take a ton of it. It ends up being a price saver. And I think that's better on the environment that we are not having to take out as many fish. I will add one product here that I love that is not part of that bundle. It's called Resilience. It's my adrenal product. Again, remember in the beginning when I told you this, that when your hormones are jacked up, starting with some kind of adrenal support system can be huge for getting the other hormones to 
they don't necessarily line up because you're supporting the, the adrenals, but I have found clinically that if you do not support the adrenals, the patient bonks, even if you start cranking them on testosterone and thyroid and all these other, especially thyroid. And so I have also found in patients who maybe just have a little bit of thyroid dysfunction going on, or they're just maybe subclinically hypothyroid or they're functionally hypothyroid, you support the adrenal system and the thyroid starts to work better. And so again, this isn't prevention, treatment, or cure of any hormonal problem. I'm just a big fan of supporting the adrenals no matter what, especially nowadays. The world is a crazy, crazy place. Mandates are happening. Tyranny is doubling down. The darkness is everywhere. And people are really starting to lose their shit. And I don't blame them because there are times when I feel like I am too. And so having a good, consistent adrenal support program is key. Reducing inflammation also helps that endocrine system. And so all of these products work synergistically together. It's not just one or the other. I really believe that when you start combining herbs and you start combining nutraceuticals, um, you get a synergistic effect that can be way more beneficial than just taking any one thing in isolation. All right, so what I want you to do is go to store.drtina.com and use the code PAIN10, and that'll get you 10% off my entire store, one-time use. So use it wisely, get what you want to get, 10% off the entire store, PAIN10 at store.drtina.com. And please remember, this is not medical advice. I just wanted to explain kind of the simplest, most simplistic version I could of how I approach pain, how I look at it, why it's multifaceted, why I tell people to get their hormones checked and get to get their gut handled and to strength train. There's never one thing. I don't think there's one thing that can fix it all. I don't think stem cells alone are the answer. I think you need a comprehensive, uh, I can't talk today, a comprehensive approach to treating the person, not the diagnosis, right? We're here to treat people. We're here to treat human beings with real pain and that pain is coming from somewhere and it's probably coming from a couple different places, right? Never underestimate the power of the mind in this and make sure that you're moving your buns around. I don't make personal referrals. Again, please do not email the show for a practitioner referral, but please do email us with questions that you have about other podcast episodes, ideas you may have. If there's more that you'd like to hear on this topic, let us know, podcast.drtina.com. And while you're at it, huge favor to me. If you'll head over to your favorite podcast app, I'm personally trying to rank on Apple Podcasts. So that would be a huge favor to ask of you. If you could rate, review and subscribe, that would be phenomenal. And it would help us out. The better our ratings, um, the more people to hear this information and the more it gets out into the world to help more people. So thank you so much for listening in. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.